At the T-minus three-minute mark, tape recorders on board the spacecraft were turned on. These recorders record both voice and data. This is WOMMLP operating out of Burlington, Vermont, 105.9 The Radiator. It's the Rocket Shop. Good evening. I'm your host, Tom Proctor, and with me tonight is Troy Millett. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Nice to meet you. You too. Thank you so much for coming in the studio today. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I was just telling Ross and Jim, I, I feel like I've been here more in the last month than I have anywhere else, so it's like a second home. <laughs> my dog my dog was sleeping in here the last time I was here, so you know, it's really home now. Yeah, yeah. If your dog feels comfortable in a place, then you... I mean, I'd only had him for like 24 hours when he was here, so he wasn't like a great judge of character, but I think he would <laughs> like it still. Uh, well, thank you for, for coming back to your second home uh, to be interviewed this evening. Uh, we do like kicking off with a song usually, so what sure. have you got for us? I'm going to play the title track off our record, which is coming out hopefully later this year, but you know, with COVID, you never know what the timeline's going to be. Uh, it's called Things We Whisper After Dark. Thank you. 
talk When you're asking if yeah, they lose their spark You ask me who I think you are Sorry, could you remind me of the song name again? Yeah, it's Things We Whisper After Dark. Things We Whisper After Dark. We're going for length in those song titles. <laughs> Second record, you know, we got to up our game from that one word. Right. Dang. Um, so, yeah, tell me a little bit about this this new record that you, you're you're currently writing. Have you got the songs together yeah, yet? Yeah, I, it? I think it's totally done being written, but I said that, you know, six months ago, and then, you know, uh, you know, the coronavirus hit and I had a lot of time to sit in my room and write songs. So uh, we've been working somewhat diligently with Chris Hawthorne from Barica. Um, it's, if I could roll my R's, it would, that band name sounds so cool. <laughs> um, and, you know, Ezra Oakland has played drums on some tracks and uh, Jay Barclay, who was in the band Augustana, um, he did the guitar work and Dan Bishop is on bass and we just, you know, kind of have moshed all that stuff together and kind of have this folk rock pop thing going on we released a pop single through the quarantine um that doesn't have any real instruments on it but uh yeah so we're kind of we're in the process of like vetting all the stuff we have now and figuring out which are the 10 or 12 that are really worth pushing forward and is this under the the name Troy Millette, or is this is this as a as a separate kind of band with a different name? Yeah, this is gonna fall under the Troy Millette umbrella, I think. When I when I started the fire below, the kind of intent was that we wanted to move out of the dinner set times. It's really hard to do as a chubby folk singer with a guitar living in Manfolkville over here. So uh, what we had to do is like, well, we'll put a band together. But it's really hard to find guys who aren't in 50 bands in Burlington. So we're like, well, we'll just hire whoever's available and we'll never turn down a gig because we can just, you know, uh, it's like painting by numbers. You know, it's just like as long as we have a red, we can fill in all these fives. It doesn't need to be this red. And uh, it's kind of come to a place where we have the same four or five guys who play with us all the time. But, um, you know, it's a branding nightmare to then go back to the other stuff and switch it to this. So. Uh, unless I come up with a really cool name, I think I'll stick with the one my mama gave me. <laughs> yeah, I've I've talked to folks in the past where um, it takes a long time to to build up your reputation and and have people start recognizing you and and knowing what they're going to be hearing when you know Tormalette's playing, and so then to to switch it up and change your name. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it, we're kind of lucky with the, uh, you know, I think I I like to tell the guys in the band that my name is in the band name, so I get to make all the important decisions, which is I, I shouldn't be allowed to, <laughs> but I like to tell them that, um, you know, and it's kind of it's a nice branding umbrella that when I play solo, it's like oh, it's still that part of that band name, so it's not it's not trying to get too many things out there. I don't have the energy to get that many things out there. I've worked, you know. I've, the little I've done to get this name out there is like, mm-hmm. it's already exhausting. I'm tired thinking about it. 
And um, so you 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 do solo gigs. You also play with a band. Um, what are your you know what are your pros and cons of both? What do you really like as a solo artist, and what do you prefer as a as a as a band member or the leader of a band, and then and you know kind of vice versa? Yeah, I I love playing with the band just for that sense of camaraderie when you're on stage. You know, to feel like you have this like army behind you, and uh, you know the energy they bring to these songs. When I when I write a song like Things We Whisper After Dark in my bedroom. Uh, that's the song to me. I'm like, it's the best thing ever, and I am Leonard Cohen, and this is what this song needs to be. And that is 99% of the time not the case. So to bring this to you know four other brains and let them kind of have their way with it, you know, even if it ends up kind of being carved down back to closer to the original vision, just to hear what they come up with has been awesome. And the live show, we we never play the same set twice. We kind of get up there and we like to do the ins and outs and throw in the quirky covers. Um, I would say that's the thing I miss the most about playing solo when I'm not is that it's really easy for me to strum C, D, and E and tell a 15-minute story in the middle of our set, and that's really hard to get four guys on the same page who want to do that for you know, 20 of your 75-minute set. But I have, some, I have some great Jackson Brown stories and my Mike Gordon story, and I need to tell those they, mm-hmm. I, until my autobiography comes out in like 40 years. That's the only way to get them out. <laughs> so uh, being a solo artist does afford you that ability to... Uh to wax poetic on the absolutely yeah tales. it's my springsteen on broadway <laughs> only uh it's it's way cheaper to get in usually free so you know i bruce would if bruce could let you in for free he would he's that kind of guy um and so i i read that you you have an on-stage persona mm-hmm. so you want to tell me a little bit about that is are you are you performing as that persona right now or have we have we got the the og troy this is well i think the persona is just me but louder i think giving me a microphone is the most dangerous thing anyone can do and people now pay me to do that which is like i feel like i'm getting away with something <laughs> when i walk in somewhere and they're like oh i get to i get to be this but louder like all right, man, it's your 500 bucks. Like, <laughs> let's do it. So I, I don't know if I'd call it a persona so much as an amplification of what you would get if you sat in my living room, um, which you g- are getting right now in the second living room. <laughs> um, so the, the persona doesn't have a, a different name or anything like that. It's just kind of like you, but more so because you have an audience. And yeah, the like second that. persona was Elton John, but I heard some other guys already <laughs> taken that. So no, it's just it's still just Troy. Um, and, and as you said, kind of while you're on stage, you're like, uh, you're like telling these tales. Um, what is it about folk music that kind of attracts a storyteller? I I think the story is the attraction itself. I I think that everybody kind of has something they want to say and wishes they could say. I write all my songs about girls that I got so efficient with. I didn't even have to talk to these women before I wrote these sad songs about them. I just imagined what it would be like when I messed it up. So uh, I, I have notebooks and notebooks full of those that I was just like, well, I need to get these thoughts out somehow. And then when the real ones stroll along, it's like, well, now, I, now we've really got the record. These are the albums right here. Um, you know, so I, I think that for me, it's just a matter of like getting that stuff out there without uh, talking someone's ear off or, you know, getting my friends to look at my, their caller ID and see my name and be like, I'm going to let this one go. So I, I think it's for my sanity and everybody else's that I just, it's my version of journaling. Yeah. I mean, but folk, uh, folk music has a long history of, of churning out storytellers after storytellers. So what is it? What is it about the focus as a genre that that keeps bringing storytellers in? I think it's the simplicity. You know, for me, I was an English major at St. Mike's, and uh, I, I learned how to play guitar in high school because I couldn't draw stick figures, so I couldn't take art uh, art two hundred. I had to stop at art one hundred and one. 
And I was like, hey, you know, like I, I can play these six chords. And if I could play these six and have something important to say, maybe I could get away with it. And I think that after a while of getting away with it, people find something really important to say. I mean, you, you look at the greats. You look, for me, you know, I, Adam Duritz of the Counting Crows is like my favorite songwriter. You know, I, I won't get into who the best songwriter ever is, but those songs, him on a piano, I think, or him on an acoustic guitar, stand up the best, even among those iconic recordings. So I think if you can do something genuinely and have something to say, that, that folk lends itself perfectly to you. And... um. And what is your how do you how do you kind of come up with these stories that you kind of already mentioned that you originally came up with just i ideas in your head stories <laughs> that you kind of told yourself and that and you wrote down in books and now it's a bit more lived experience but in terms of your actual process mm-hmm. what what do you do in order to get into that mindset uh, or is it kind of just a constant thing if you've got a notepad in your pocket that you you're constantly scribbling lyrics down in yeah i'm constantly writing my phone the note section of my phone is a jumbled mess of grocery lists and song lyrics and i i'm kind of an ocd um, a chaotic ocd person with that because i have to write them down even if they live in the notes section of my phone for a while but i'm the person who'll be uh you know wandering through the grocery store or driving home from work and something will pop into my head and i'll be like oh that's that's that feeling i had and i'm gonna i gotta sit down and carve this out right now um so yeah i would say my process kind of uh kind of ebbs and flows sometimes it's really intentional and it's i haven't written anything in three months and i need to sit down and put the work in and, and get something out and other times it's it's a flood, and it's just me sitting there ferociously scribbling everything down. Um, well, I'd love to hear another track. Yeah. So um, is this going to be from the upcoming album as well? Yeah, this, uh, this is a newer song. This is a quarantine song. Um, it's called By My Side. I had a really interesting life experience between the first record, which was all the, the bro, um, you know, early college, late college um, stuff, you know, those imaginary girl songs into... I, I had my first serious relationship and I kind of wrote this collection of songs about that and then that ended and now we're kind of coming into the period of songs. That's a, that's a really nice arc of, uh, you know, what what could have been and what isn't. And uh, so, I, so this is one of the uh, sad kind of later B-side tracks, I would say. Um, it's called By My Side. I've been waking up early Thoughts and empty sheets Buzzing in my Last night's shoes still on my feet I'd be lying if I said I don't miss you just the same There's a mother in my bed this morning We both share a name Nobody loves me like you love me Nobody's even tried to try I get along Getting drunk and writing songs And that's just fine When I close my eyes It's like you're right here by my side This morning's regret Been trying to change your mind It hasn't happened yet Nothing lasts forever And every other trope 
Can we go back to December? Try to regain some control. Nobody loves me like you love me. Nobody even tries to try. I get along, getting drunk and writing songs, and that's just fine. Close my eyes, it's like you're right here by my side Set forever and I meant it I spent a year inside your stone By my side. Um, so, Troy, tell us a little bit about your cave experience. We've just come up on the, about the year anniversary of, yeah. of the pandemic, and I feel like every musician has had like a slightly different, but all of them very similar experience. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, tell me, how, how, how have you coped with it as a musician, and has it helped your creativity? Is it stimmied it? What's, what's been the story? Yeah, the first few months, I didn't do anything. I, I kind of had that potato chip mindset. I think that everybody did. That was like, this is going to pass, and I'm just going to enjoy this downtime. Uh, we had a we had a tour booked for uh, the beginning of April that got scrapped pretty early on. Yeah, we played the game of pushing those dates back three, four months, and then, oh, we're going to push them back again another couple months, and eventually we just kind of uh, threw those up into the ether, and we're waiting till it's we have a good you know good foresight on where we're heading with this. But I I've got to put out a couple singles over the pandemic, which I don't think I would have. Um, this early on, be, if we hadn't stopped the world for a little bit, I wrote this song, I Miss You, uh, about that relationship coming to an end that I was talking about. And uh, there's some very specific COVID references in that that hopefully will stand the test of time as we move forward with this. Um, and I think it just was a nice moment to pause, uh, even though none of us wanted to pause. And we were lucky to get to do some socially distant shows and uh, mask up and do the live stream thing, Robot Dog Studio. I, that, that's my third home is Robot Dog Studio. We must have done 10 live streams with them, uh, especially early on in the pandemic, just trying to stay relevant, stay in front of people. And um, I'm, I'm hoping that the support and the folks who enjoy live music are still there when things open back up. So it was kind of a bittersweet experience. I think that to have the time to write and, you know, grow as a band and, and do those live stream video type things that we would have never done if we could just crowd ourselves into bars every night. But also I miss crowding ourselves into bars every single night. Yeah. Um, and so you, you've been touring for a long, long time, or at least been get, been working as a musician from since 2010. Yeah played with a ton of different people, some yeah. very big 
Vermont names, some very big names in general, but you know, some some absolute legends from Vermont. Um, what what is it about uh, being on stage um, and and performing to a crowd? What is that that you miss, and and what are you looking forward to when the, as this comes to an end? What's like the fir- the the venue you want to play in first? What's the all of them? I want to <laughs> play in all of them. We uh. We were going to go down to New York City um, and play at the Rockwood Music Hall. We were going to play stage two at the Rockwood, which was I was super excited. That I've seen shows there um, when in the city, and I was excited about that. And we also had a uh, a third higher ground headlining show kind of in the uh, on the skyline, so I was excited to do some things like that. We also, and I, I don't know at, at this point the rate of this tour, but we were going to get to play with the Avett Brothers and Ringo Starr last summer. Um, which would have been, a, you know, just an iconic show for me. I love the Avett Brothers, and our our first single, Ghost, was written in the parking lot of an Avett Brothers show. And of course, Ringo is, uh, you know, he's one of the top four Beatles, is what <laughs> I've been told. So uh, I, I think I'm really excited to get out this summer for sure and keep people safe and do the pod shows, kind of the drive-in type thing. We've got a couple things lined up, uh, and as soon as we can all crowd back together, I think Higher Ground is gonna. They can just keep my credit card. I think I'm gonna go to shows. <laughs> Um, I, I've been really fortunate with the people I've met through this scene. Burlington's a really special place in that way that people who come out to see music and people who perform music and people who photograph music and talk about music, you know, we all kind of live in this little bubble of, uh, and we take it for granted that we, you can see Ross or, or Luke Autry 10 times a week if you, if you try hard enough, you know, and you can see Mike Gordon standing at the bar at Nectar's while you play folk rock and you, you know, and, and I'm definitely not going to take that for granted anymore when we come back out of this. I'm just going to consume everything i can um yeah i i i have the impression that there's going to be a bit of a live music explosion uh in the next few months once we start relaxing things and allowing bars to open again because i think everyone's just been so starved i'm hoping that there's some folks who kind of we found that a there was a large demographic of people who i would never see at a show but you know, can log on to Facebook at 8 p.m. on a Thursday and, and check out this show, you know, for reasons, you know, whether it's the kids or the work schedule or whatever. So I think it made a lot of things accessible to people who might not have otherwise consumed what we were doing. So I'm hoping that some of that translates into people who want to come and experience it face to face, even if we have to do that from I'm not I'm not going to like get anybody else's sweat on me for a while. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not a scientist, but I, I bet that's probably just not going to be good moving forward. <laughs> that's true. Um, so in terms of this this record coming out, mm-hmm. um, obviously you want to get, wait until we have the full go ahead before mm-hmm. you can start booking shows and whatnot. But have you got a plan to to promote it and kind of get it out there? I think that I think touring is going to be the the biggest thing for us. We've kind of dabbled in it. We we're like the weekend warrior tours. You know, we'll we'll go out and we'll play three back to back nights and then send it home. But I think that kind of setting aside a chunk of time and going out there and, and playing new places is what I want to get most out of this larger body of work. Um, but man, right now, just the the thought of you know putting what goes into creating a record. You know, we had a Kickstarter plan, and that's just one of those things that morally, it's like, well, can I know what it feels like to be struggling, you know, missing this source of income and being one of the lucky ones who has another source of income. Uh, so it's like, do I do I feel good at night asking for, you know, for this support from people who might not have it to give? And, you know, I think that we've had to shift focus and we're working on things a lot more methodically, but much slower than we than we would have without COVID. Um, so I, I'm not really sure. I think that we'll have to see what world we come back to to really tell you what, what the plan's going to be. But right now, I think touring is everybody's biggest goal. We want to get back out there and cram into the backseat of my Kia and <laughs> and drive to Connecticut for to play for three people. <laughs> Living the dream. Yes. Um, 
So uh, this album was recorded in in studios and not no kind of home home recording done. No, we I miss you. The uh, the little pop song was made on my iPad with um, a GarageBand beat, and it was so horrendous that when I sent it to Chris Hawthorne, I was like, "Hey, what do you think about making this work?" He's like, "I think we can make it work, but we're not using any of that." <laughs> so uh, you know, I've been really fortunate to work with him, and I'm kind of the guy who has all these ideas, and Chris is a very uh, like very practical thinker so he's like okay well let's take 40 percent of that and make it happen and then we can deal with whatever the other stuff you just said later so i i really need that focus i think for me i'm just not tech or sound savvy enough to make anything that i would want to put out and force people to listen to yeah um and um in terms of that is it useful having like a chris when it comes to this record mm-hmm. because he he he's able to be like no that's done whereas you might be more like uh, wanting to tweak and tweak and tweak. Really. Yeah, I think I have that lead singer or songwriter syndrome sometimes where it's like every, the newest thing you wrote is the best thing you've ever written. And that wears off. The mileage varies on that pretty quickly. Mm. And I think to have someone like Chris who who is a friend and supports that creative push but also is able to take a step back and look at this project and be like, okay, well, you know, we already have three songs about this and these two lyrically are like, pack a harder punch i think that's kind of the vetting process of that has been again the the band has been huge for that because instead of you know two lines of defense to make it onto that record we now have six mm. and you know everybody gets at least gets those thoughts out there and there are definitely things that can be clearer you know and i also fall victim to being so close to a project that i know what that meaning is but might not translate to to anyone else in this room you know so to make sure that story is being told and really doing the song that we want to make justice is a really interesting and a really frustrating process. Ryan Clausen and I fight all the time, and it's not just because he's an Eagles fan. <laughs> we now have actual fights. Um, well, we've got got to uh, about where we've all got time for, mm-hmm. but um, before I let you play your last song to sure. play us out with, um, if people want to get in touch, if people want to find out more about any tours coming up, um, what's the social media, where can people go? Yeah, so our Instagram and Twitter are at Millette Music. And our Facebook is Troy Millette Music. Facebook, I'm a little older than I would like to admit now. I like thought I was that cool young artist in Burlington now, and I see everybody else. I'm like, no, they're the cool young ones, and I should be at home sleeping. So I do the Facebook the most. But we also have a web page. It's TroyMillettMusic.com, and everything's updated there. We do have some stuff coming up for the summer, and I'm uh, we're playing 14 Star Brewing Company, which is one of my favorite places to play. And uh, we're doing some duo shows with Dan Rahilly from, from the full band, and he's just a a great guy to be around and really brings those songs to life gives them a little energy acoustic so i'm stoked to do some of that stuff and hopefully we'll we'll be back as a full band soon and melting faces with metallica covers and uh james taylor nice (laughs) good mix um cool well what have you got to uh plays out yeah so i uh i i kind of harassed ross McHale over there to ask his his lovely girlfriend sarah what she wants to hear because she is the ultimate tremolet super fan she has my face tattooed on her thigh (laughs) (laughs) i hope that's not true but i hope someday it's true and um if I can get if I can get my own band logo tattooed on me, Sarah's next in line easily. It's her, Hillary, or Lauren. I don't know. There's like there's three fans that actually enjoy what we do. Um, but yeah, and she suggested the song "Runaway" off our first record, which was kind of a, a weird sleeper hit during the quarantine. I, I decided to dedicate some time to just pushing things out to playlist curators, and we got up to like twenty five thousand monthly listeners with this song, and it was really popular in Greenland. And uh, now, now no one in Greenland likes this song anymore, apparently. But I miss the st- I miss the royalty checks. So this is me running away from uh, 
from the ATM cashing those checks. The song's called Runaway. Thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, thanks so much for chatting. This was great. No, no worries. And please, uh, once that record comes out, let us know and we'll get you back in. Absolutely. We'd love it. I'm gonna I'm literally gonna be sleeping on this couch soon. I can't wait. <laughs> 
Um, well, join us next week. We've got Lily Seabird coming in. That's going to be a great show. Uh, but that's all we have for tonight. This has been 105.9 The Radiator, The Rocket Shop. I've been your host, Tom Proctor, and good night.